0: Caregivers, have
1: you ever felt like nothing is going right? Well, cheer up and welcome to Dave, the Caregivers Caregiver Radio Program, where you'll learn how to avoid that dreaded thing called caregiver burnout and how to survive the grieving process. Join Dave and his guests now as they share practice tips and tools that you can start using immediately to help get you through this day. Now, here's your caregiver host, Dave Nassani.
2: All right, from Los Angeles and New York City, a big L.A. welcome and a big Apple welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I am Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver at caregiverdave.com, along with my lovely co-host, Adrian Gruberg at the Caregiverspace.org. He'll be joining us shortly. Got a little distracted and uh, couldn't make it on time, but um, we are coming to you live and on demand on 17 global platforms now. We just added... Uh, iHeartRadio I and iTunes and YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Stitcher Radio, Blog Talk Radio, and a whole bunch more. And we are proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM and one of the top six best podcasts by Caring.com. And we have an exciting show planned for you today. Carol Novello is the founder of Mutual Rescue, a national initiative that highlights the connection between people and pets. Mutual Rescue's first film, Eric and Petey, <laughs> went viral around the world. Imagine that. And has been viewed more than 100 million times. I'm going to have to see that one. Carol, was. what was the inspiration behind creating uh, Mutual Rescue? Don't answer that yet. We're going to get to that question. But before we get started, I want to thank uh, my last week's guests, Donna Thompson and Zachary Agnew, take, talking about their new book, The Unexpected Journey of Care, The Transformation of Loved One to Caregiver. And just a reminder, you can watch or listen to that interview and all our interviews on our membership website, caregiverdave.com, or any of our other 16 global networks that I mentioned earlier, like iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, etc. All right, enough of that. Welcome to the show, Carol. So excited to have you on.
1: Thanks, Dave. It's a delight to be here.
2: Great. And why don't you just take a minute or two, like I ask all my guests, and introduce yourself. I like to ask them just who the heck is Carol Novello and why was she put on this earth?
1: Well, I think the simple answer to that is that I'm someone who wants to bring more light into the world. And one of the ways that I think light can come into the world is when people learn how to open their hearts and share their hearts more fully and I truly believe that one of the ways that we can learn how to open our hearts is by inviting animals into our lives and the lessons that we learn from them and the experiences that we share with them.
2: Wow. That's pretty good. So Thank how you. Did, how <laughs> did you. Have you always had a love for pets? Explain how this all started.
1: Yeah, I have always had a love for pets. They've always been in my life. One of what? my earliest uh, childhood memories is actually going to a Christmas tree farm when I was about five years old, and we saw an abandoned cat there, and my mom let me adopt this cat, and it was <laughs> one of the most thrilling experiences of my life, and I think it uh, put laid down the seeds for me to ultimately get involved in rescue work, uh, you know, 40-odd mm. odd years later.
2: Wow. What kind of a cat was it?
1: <laughs> it was a champagne-colored, uh, short-haired tabby, and uh, he uh, just won my heart over, and there was just something about this four-legged, sentient being that uh, warmed up my heart and, perhaps even more importantly, created a connection with my mother that I really kind of didn't feel I had before and helped me see that animals were a way that she connected with the world and actually connected to me through animals.
2: Well, wow. how long did the tabby last?
1: Oh my gosh, um, quite a few years. He was part of our house for a very long time. My father, who actually was not an animal lover at the time, and subsequently we had another cat who actually totally changed him, but the this first cat I think was a, a starting point, but he he named him Nicholas Quattromano, for uh, Nicholas <laughs> Fourpaws, because my father was Italian, and uh, so that was, uh, and we got him at Christmas time. So that's how uh, he came into our lives.
2: Wow. So, what is Mutual Rescue, and how did it start?
1: Well, Mutual Rescue came about because several, I guess, gosh, eight or nine years ago now, I stepped into the role as president of Humane Society Silicon Valley after a long career in the tech space. I used to be a senior executive in the software industry, and I found my way um, over into animal welfare. And one of the things that was very interesting is that people would say to me, why are you helping animals when you could be helping people? And I thought that that was a very uh, curious question because I knew the role that animals had played in my life. Mm -hmm. And I saw the impact that animals were having on people's lives when they were adopting. And so wanting to change the conversation from, you know, people or animals, like it has to be one or the other, how do we change the conversation so it's people and animals? So I got together with some folks around that that challenge and uh, was introduced to a very um, creative producer who actually coined the phrase mutual rescue when I told him about this idea of how, how do we get people to understand that helping animals is helping people? And we decided to make a series of short films and basically do a call for stories all across the country, ask them to submit their stories. But we decided we needed to make a short film first to show people what um, why they would want to submit their story. And so mm-hmm. I had been sharing Eric Gray's story uh, in a presentation I'd been doing out in the community. and. Um, we decided to make that film first. That film took off, um, wildly successful. Um, one thing led to another. We got funding. We released some more films, and uh, and then the mutual rescue book um, just came out this April. It's called Mutual Rescue: How Adopting a Homeless Animal Can Save You Too. So we're now across multiple mediums and multiple platforms.
2: My God, that's amazing! That's Congratulations. That's exciting. Uh, Adrian, Carol, Carol, Adrian.
0: Hi. Hi there. <laughs> Sorry I was late. No worries. Dave was holding down the fort. <laughs> I'm sure.
2: She has, she has an appointment afterwards, so I wanted to get going and respect her time. Um, so, how does mutual rescue change perceptions around the interplay of animal and human welfare from people or animals to people and animals?
1: Well, the way we've approached it uh, with the films and then subsequently what I've wrote about in the book is taking specific human uh, problems or scenarios and sharing both stories and uh, in the book also share the science behind how an animal can actually be part of the transformative process. So in our very first film, Eric and Petey, Eric was um, a man who was weighed uh, 340 pounds and had really given up on life. And his doctor at the time had advised him that if he didn't lose weight, he was going to be dead within five years. And he subsequently sought out a new doctor who recommended to him that uh, he adopt a shelter dog and walk that dog a half an hour every day and also change to a plant-based diet. But what this doctor saw was how much Eric needed companionship and unconditional love as well as needing physical activity. And so he, he followed this new doctor's prescription and over the course um, of a year, lost uh, over 140 pounds and completely uh, changed his life. Wow. And at the same time, he, you know he adopted uh, PD uh, from Humane Society of Silicon Valley. And Pete was also overweight. When when Eric came in to see us, he said, I want a, a uh, middle-aged obese dog so that I have something in common <laughs> with him. And indeed, they, they did. And so they both lost weight together and they transformed each other's lives.
2: You know, you just reminded me of, of a transformational story with someone in our family. You know, my, uh, my brother married a woman who had... Uh, uh, it's, an, it's an ex-in-law I don't know how we're related But her name is Clarissa Giroux I know she would not mind me sharing this story Because she shares it all over the place on social media But she was uh, You know, had an eating disorder and, and kind of the black sheep of the family And and always, you know, depressed And, and uh, I think she was 79 pounds at one time And she was just going to end it all You know, stop the pain and this this knocking at the door, you know. And she said, "What's that?" <laughs> you know. And she opened the door, and it was this cat. And it was it was dirty, and it needed you know some love and attention. And and uh, the the cat just wouldn't go away. And so she brought it in, and she started taking care of it. And that cat changed her life. And she yeah. credits this cat. That that she would be a, she would be dead if it was not for this cat. Someone to love, someone to take care of, someone to have a purpose to wake up in the morning, feed, yes. etc. And it's very, very powerful. And uh, I should connect you to. She'd be a very. good I was good just going to say. it, sounds, it sounds
1: like a great mutual. It is a mutual <laughs> rescue story. We need to. Yes. We need to Make her the subject of our next film and get her yeah. in our, our next book. Now, how long was the film? <laughs> that the uh, Eric and Petey, All of our films are about about six minutes or so. And oh. If you go to mutualrescue.org, so. um, you can see our, our released films. And in fact, we have a, a story similar to the one that you just shared. It's actually about um, a veteran who um, had uh, suffered a brain injury when he was overseas and had a lot of challenges with that when he came back to the States and was ready to take his life and went out into the barracks to smoke what he thought was going to be his last cigarette. And this kitten crawled out from under the bushes and just uh, climbed up into his lap. And, and he just was like, you know, kind of lost it at that point, feeling like this kitten had really come to him in his moment of need. And he credits the cat with saving his life.
2: And, you know, I have my own cat story because as a, as a child, my sister loved cats. And so, I always remember trying, just you know, five, six years old, trying to pet the cat. The cat would always scratch me. And <laughs> I learned to hate cats. And I, and I would have nightmares of these cats just, you know, clawing my face. And, you know, so I, I'm one of those cat haters. I, I saw someone wearing this button one time that says, ask me how uh, you too can um, – earn money and uh, freedom and independence by microwaving cats or something like that. And I thought that was <laughs> so funny because, you know, I was a cat hater. Sick. And I know it was sick, but it was funny. Uh, and I know it, it probably just irks uh, cat, cat and animal lovers to hear that, but I'm just I'm, I'm just sharing, I'm being honest with you here. But I've been transformed when at my gas station, uh, this little cat you know, was was like abandoned and scared It was a kitten And so it was so cute And I picked it up and it didn't claw me And I said, oh, this, not all cats can claw, I guess And I took it home And the kids fell in love with it And, and it was a male And all the other cats I knew were females And this, this cat, I loved this cat This cat was, was a man's man, you know he, <laughs> he, he used to catch mice And bring them to the front door And say, look what I did I'm earning my keep And And one day that cat didn't come home because it was a very aggressive cat, and I know a coyote must have eaten him because he'd go out at night. You know, he's like Top Cat. Remember that cartoon? Yep. (laughs) Knew all the sewers and the trash cans and the and the restaurants. But um, I I wanted to ask you what uh, about mutual rescue, mobilizing people, organizations to make a difference in the world as it shifts the conversation around animal and human welfare. these films are, are amazing. How did you get the idea of, of uh, making them? And how did one go viral for $100 million? How does that
0: happen?
1: Yeah. Well, so as I said, what, um, what I had encountered when I got involved with animal welfare is you know, this question of, of why help animals when so many people are in need. So I had been doing a presentation out in the community called Why Helping Animals Helps People. And then one of our board members introduced me um, to a creative producer, and I shared with him you know, this idea, and he, I said, you know, can you breathe some magic into it? How do, how do we make this something bigger than just, you know, me doing a presentation here and there in a community? And so um, uh, the executive producer's name is David Whitman actually came up with this idea of let's do a call for stories and let's and make these short films that really bring this idea to life in a very visceral way that people can feel. And so, as I mentioned, I've been ter- telling Eric Gray's story in my, in my presentation. He had emailed us his story, and uh, we asked him if we could share it, and he said yes. And so we decided we would make his story our first film so people would know why they would want to submit their own story. And... We put the film together uh, and launched it on Valentine's Day, 2016. And SF Gate picked it up and posted it on their Facebook page. And that one post alone had 35 million views, wow. 200,000 shares, and 50,000 comments. It was. Um,
0: <laughs> it hey, who was did voted, that? Uh,
1: that was SF Gate. That's that one. That one post generated that, and it was actually uh, the New York Times voted it the number one uh, uh, video news story in California in 2016.
2: You know, I'm not surprised. Uh, I know that there's um, a YouTube video called "Cats in Sinks," and everybody just kind of sent in their. Uh, no, it wasn't YouTube. It was, it was just uh, pictures, posts on Facebook. Cats in sinks, and everybody. <clears throat> Had, uh, (laughs) send me a picture of your cat in a sink. Yeah. And that thing just went crazy.
0: Pets will do it. (laughs) Animals, oh boy. Yeah. And,
2: and, you know, I'm on television a lot, and so uh, they always tell me, you want to get on TV, either have an animal, because, you know, I'll go on, and and the guest in front of me has a little puppy or a dog, and they say, oh man, that's a tough act to follow. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm sure Adrian will agree, but um, I can't think of. Anyone, well, that's not true, but caregivers (laughs) are certainly up there as far as needing uh, a pet because they're all alone, they've isolated themselves, and, you know, it's a thankless job and they don't get any appreciation or love or respect many times, not all the time. But wouldn't a pet just be the perfect addition to a caregiver who's burned out?
1: I mean, I think animals are a wonderful source of unconditional love for sure. Yeah. Um, I think the key, you know, the key thing is to make sure that you get matched with the pet that fits your lifestyle, uh, because some pets can be more uh, demanding and require more care than others. And so um, I think, you know, I, I love both cats and dogs. Um, and I will say, I think dogs require more caregiving than cats per se, Um, So it's about finding the right animal for uh, your particular, uh, you know, lifestyle and your particular situation. But animals can bring a tremendous amount of joy into people's lives.
2: Yes. And speaking of animals, this is my rescue (laughs) animal, and he's just adorable. And we even turned him into a service animal because he's the breed who can actually um, predict uh, seizures. And my wife had a seizure. uh, Oh, wow. 22 years ago She hasn't had one since But you never know You can't be too yeah, He wants that fly too There's this fly <laughs> just, And we just love him And we had one just like him before But he was a runner And he got out And he got hit by a car And, and I'm telling you We mourned for three months And my wife says No more dogs No more dogs No more dogs Kids brought this one home Against her will Because they were living with us At the time And um, no, no, it's it's our dog. You won't have any. You know, next thing you know, she took ownership of it, and this dog <laughs> is <a> life. <light. clears throat> this dog sleeps with her. She feeds yeah. the finest food. This dog is just slightly higher on the totem pole than me. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, when we went to Hawaii, uh, the dog had to come with us, so we went through. Gosh, a hoop, a hoop in that <laughs> Uh, and but we got him. He's a service dog, and he goes wherever we go. And He's a very good dog. Okay. See you later. Ugh, go get him. Ah, go get him, tiger. <laughs> <sighs> Drive me crazy. Uh wow. so let me see the books and the film. Yeah, I, I've got to. Um, uh, I've got to see them. I apologize. How, I, I should.
0: Uh, how long is the film?
1: She said six minutes. Are these minutes. films? Yeah, the, the films, mm-hmm. they're, they're short films. They're about six minutes each. They're short. <laughs> um, they're short, and, um, and they cover a wide range of topics. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, the Mutual Rescue book, it's called Mutual Rescue, How Adopting a Homeless Animal Saves Save You Too, is mm-hmm. actually divided into four sections, which is heart, body, mind, and connection. And in each of those sections of the book, we explore various aspects of human scenarios related to those areas mm-hmm. tell stories of how um, animals have affected that part of a human's life, and then we bring in the science. So the films, um, some of the films are, are mentioned and scattered throughout the book. So, you know, we cover all kinds of, of topics, uh, both in the films and in, in the book, and Eric's story was one of obesity. Um, Josh and Scout, which is the the cat story I mentioned earlier, um, dealt with suicide and post traumatic stress disorder. Um, we just released this Father's Day, a wonderful story um, about a couple who lost uh, their child and uh, were grieving and just you know f- felt their marriage was starting to come apart and adopted. Uh, a rescue dog that brought their marriage back together and they now celebrating their first father's day with their new child as well. And so there's overcoming grief, there's finding purpose. Um, It is amazing the ways in which animals can touch and transform our lives in very profound ways.
2: Yeah. And, and uh, these would be just as good for the loved one as well, because that will help the caregiver, you know, kind of babysit the the elderly Alzheimer's thing they even have a company that makes um, mechanical animals that that uh, I, I posted it on Facebook one time and they just uh, they just fall in love with these animals um, I'm gonna hook you up with uh, Clarissa because I think she'd make a great video for you guys
1: yeah it certainly sounds like it. it's a amazing story so
2: we're gonna take a break uh, so we'll be right back don't go away.
1: David Nassani. Best-selling author,
0: Dave Nassani. Dave Nassani.
1: Dave Nassani is a best-selling author. Where is the caregiver for the caregiver? That is where Dave Nassani comes in. Mr. Dave Nassani. Thank you. you.
2: So you're you're needed. I am needed. You are very much needed. I am needed. Kind of one of a kind, right? The woman I loved had suffered a massive stroke left her severely speech impaired and paralyzed on the right side. Well, the first mistake the caregivers make is they don't know how to put their needs first. Now, the airlines tell us every time we go on an airplane that an oxygen mask will fall. Put your mask on first before you help your loved one with their mask. For the next two years, our lives had become a living hell. Then there came a point where I finally had to just scream. I says, I can't take this anymore. Yeah. The second mistake that caregivers often make is they don't know how to ask for help. Now everyone has one of these, mm-hmm. it's called a cell phone. <laughs> you turn it on, yeah. you punch in the number and you talk. Hello mom, I need help, grandma's driving me crazy. I realize there's so many other caregivers out there who are suffering, who are going through tremendous pain and feeling lost and alone. And I wanted to help them triumph over that pain. I didn't want them to give up like I almost gave up. It's called Sanford and Son, right? right. He used undeserved <laughs> was a guilt. It went something like this. Oh, oh, it's a big one. No, son, really, it's a big one. Elizabeth, I'm coming to meet you, honey. She's amazing to watch. She makes us normal people look like whiners and complainers. I mean, she's my hero. First of all, when someone is just wired like a caregiver, you know, they're they're caring and they're giving, and they give and give and give, but unfortunately they give until they burn themselves out. Mm-hmm. There's nothing left to give. Yeah. So now I host a popular iTunes podcast, The Caregiver's Caregiver Radio mm-hmm. Show, and I'm a best-selling author to my third book, It's My Life Too: Reclaim Your Caregiver Sanity. <laughs> I've been on my national book and media tour all across the country, just being on morning shows just like this one. Yeah. And I even shared the stage with Suzanne Summers at Harvard. Mm-hmm. Basically, I'm sharing my message, how to prevent your loved one's illness and disease from actually killing you. Come and join our community of caregivers. Let us love on you, let us support you.
0: Dave is an amazing man. I was in tears when I heard his story. He spoke from his heart.
1: Dave is really my idol because
0: he created something for caretakers.
1: And I was a caretaker for my father. It's already 15 years and I'm so mm-hmm. crying.
2: Every caregiver's life is a love story. Let me help you make that love story one of hope and triumph. Thank you very much. Dave Nassani, the caregiver's caregiver, has just released his sixth book entitled It's My Life Too. Reclaim your caregiver sanity by learning when to say yes and when to say no. It was specifically written for caregivers who know they should be putting their needs first, but just don't know how. Dave is the sole caregiver to his wife, Charlene, since 1996. He knows firsthand what caregivers are going through because he is one. And he now speaks all across the country, offering caregivers his incredible caregiver support package. Even the airlines tell us that in the event of an emergency, To put your oxygen mask on first, before you help your child with their mask. They know that those who don't heed their advice often black out, thus becoming unable to help either themselves or their child. And caregivers are exactly the same way. It's my life too. Reclaim your caregiver sanity by learning when to say yes and when to say no. We'll help caregivers who are neglecting their sleep, diet, and social life, and learn to put their needs first. Pick up your copy today buy one for your special caregiver on sale everywhere and at CaregiversCaregiver.com. and we're back with our co-host Adrian Gruberg I'm Dave Nassani and our guest Carol Novello and she is an animal lover started mutual rescue and I, I was just mentioning how Caregivers and loved ones alike would uh, actually anybody. I mean, who wouldn't benefit from uh, a pet that has unconditional love for you? Of course, I'm not sure about cats. Cats' unconditional love are a little more independent. They really, maybe they need you, but they don't act like they need you. And, uh, you know, not being a a cat lover except for that one cat that I loved at one time, cats know that I'm not fond of them. And when I come into a house... They come up to me and they start rubbing all over their thing, and I'm allergic to cats. That's another reason that I'm not really fond of them.
1: Well, see, they are showing you unconditional love, Dave. They're saying, "Hey, you may not like us, but we like you anyway." <laughs> uh-huh. but then, in,
2: in that same room, is, is just a cat lover, and "Oh, and and they know who those are too, and they stay away from them like the plague. They, they <laughs> let them be chased. So, why are they?" coming all over the guys who don't want them and they're staying away from the guys who do want them is is that on purpose is that just to be mean i mean maybe you could explain the psyche of.
1: (laughs) well i think cats are very similar to dogs and humans in that they're each individuals and they each have their own personality so that may have been your experience but um i've had very vast and different experiences with all kinds of cats and, well, um, I've,
2: I've had a few girlfriends in my time, and there's a rule that has been born to be true, and that's uh, you can get more girls, or uh, the girls can get more guys when they play hard to get. That's what I was trying to say. It's true. Nobody wants uh, somebody who wants them. They always seem to want the one that's a challenge. This ah, I can get that person. <laughs> I can get her to like me, or whatever. You know. <laughs> Alright, enough of that. <laughs> what was um, what was the inspiration for the Mutual Rescue book?
1: Well, what was interesting about the film is that we were telling the the heart side of the story. So they're all first person narratives, uh, you know, focused on the person and the animal. But the piece that we weren't able to really incorporate was the science behind it. And we really wanted to uh, legitimize this initiative; that it's it's not just the feel good part. The science is there. The research is there that helps support the fact that these animals can make a very big difference in our lives. And there's an interesting um, survey that was done from doctors and of the doctors that took partook in the survey. Ninety seven percent believe that there are health benefits to having a pet. That's pretty amazing. And then when you look at the research that shows. When you interact with an animal, it's actually, you're releasing biochemicals in your body like uh, prolactin and oxytocin and serotonin. Uh, They're feel-good chemicals that help you both physiologically as well as emotionally. And it's amazing uh, what animals can can do for us. And and having the science behind it makes it that much more uh, validating for people.
2: You know, what's also amazing is... uh... Now that we are so politically divided, I mean, you can't even go to a football game without, you know, somehow politics entering it. I think every Congress member and Senate member must be required to bring their pet to Congress,
1: because <laughs> I, how can you be
2: angry yeah. with someone? I've seen people who who don't even realize they're on opposite ends of the political spectrum, but because they're at the dog yeah. park. Sharing the dogs, and you'd act like these people act like they've been best friends forever. And politics never comes up; they're just talking about the dog or the cat or whatever. And I think, I think they should at least have one day where everybody in Congress brings their (laughs) pet. And I think everyone will think twice about, you know, yelling at Nancy Pelosi when they know that she has this cute little poodle, and you know. uh, And you're right; it just makes makes everybody feel good but there's a science behind it what else uh, is going on with the science uh, other than what you just said because yeah. that that's very interesting you know what happens in the brain and stuff
1: yeah, it is very interesting. I mean, I, I think that animals are, they're both a bridge in, in the way that uh, you just mentioned in terms of people that are focusing on their differences. Animals That's are a way for people... in life, I guess. <laughs> you, know, that, um, you know, that rather than focusing on people's differences, animals can be a bridge to saying, well, what mm-hmm. is it we actually have in common? And uh, And they're great equalizers as well, which is you know, no matter what your, your background is, uh, finding something in common with someone else through an animal is really an extraordinary experience. And one of the things that, um, you know, I saw that I, I don't think I would have seen if I hadn't been been collecting all of these stories is a lot of people that go on to be healed through adopting the animal, then go on to, to pay it forward, to do something more in the world that helps create a positive spiral, and for example, um, Josh, who is the subject of our Josh and Scout film that I mentioned earlier, he now works with veterans, helps them get their life back on track. And that's something that he, you know, basically credits Scout uh, with having um, really played a role for him. But when you look at the, you know, you, you, t- you mentioned the science, I mean, there's the, the stats in this country are really kind of staggering. I mean, there's 16 million people with depression, 8 million with PTSD 29 million with diabetes, 40% who are obese. And, you know, that's not even counting the people that are heartbroken or grieving or, or lonely. Um, so, you know, the stats that I mentioned earlier in the context of, you know, doctors really believe that um, pets can make a huge difference. 60% of doctors in this survey would actually prescribe uh, pet adoption, um, which is... Like it
2: lowers you know, blood pressure, lowers, lowers yeah. cholesterol. Definitely.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my Yeah. God. And, um, I mean, one of the, the really. <laughs> For sure, right? Um, there's another film we just released this year called Sarah and Domino. Um, a young woman who, um, ended up taking in a, a chihuahua from a neglectful home and helped her stay sober after she came out of, um, rehab because she'd become addicted to opiates. And, um, just amazing i mean you wouldn't think of something like addiction where animals could play a role but in fact uh they do play a role and uh you know that's something that um you know becoming part of what people are looking at in terms of of, um, of therapy and integrating animals into therapy because it does exactly what you talked about which is it gives people a purpose a reason to get up in the morning um and all of those things are just are really important
2: Yeah, I I see what it's done to my wife. I mean, you know, she can't talk. Uh, She's speech impaired, and she's paralyzed in a wheelchair right side. And she's very independent, but this dog um, just gives her a very positive outlook on life. You know, when I I don't know how I would behave if I was in her body, trapped in her body, but uh, she's amazing. And um, it just kills me when I see those videos on TV about, you know, the animals that have been abused and, you know, they're cold and they're shaking and they're skinny. And I just can't uh, can understand who would do that. You know, uh, you've got to be inhuman. I don't know. But uh, how many films have you done?
1: Gosh, uh, I think we've oh, released seven, seven so far. So collectively, all of our films... uh, I can't wait to see them. Where's the best place to see them? them? Uh, Mutualrescue.org is our website, and all of our released films are there. Um, We're also on YouTube and on Facebook. So they're there as well, but the easiest place is to go to our website.
2: I can't wait for the next one to come out, and I haven't even seen one yet, but I'm going to see (laughs) one when we get off the air here. I'm going to show my wife and... uh, and I'm going to connect you with Clarissa because I know yeah. that's probably going to be your next uh, video.
1: There you go. Well, well, you're going to you're you're definitely going to need to get out your tissues. They're um, they <laughs> ultimately feel good, but they they will tug at your heartstrings. I will say that. Uh, I'd
2: be surprised if you weren't invited to the White House to appear before Congress to let them know the the benefits how it should pets should be uh, put into the next health care plan. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes, I, I totally agree.
2: So, what I are mean, you doggy it day- to
1: work day?
2: <laughs> oh yeah, that, that would work. <laughs> bring your pet to work day. Yeah, her-
1: well, there was just bring there was just a, a bring your dog to work day uh, really? about a month ago, and yeah, and more and more corporations I missed are. It. Yeah, uh, I believe it. I want to say it was June twenty first. I think maybe was take your dog oh, yeah. to work day. Day before
2: um, my wife's birthday. <laughs>
1: But more and more companies are making it possible for people to bring their pets to work because it actually, you know, can reduce, um, yeah. uh, you know, it helps relieve stress, mm-hmm. uh, which is really important for people's productivity. It, can, it also helps kind of bring people together. So, I mean, you need a framework and you need rules of engagement around it. But, um, I mean, it's interesting. Amazon is, is, you know, a huge corporation and they actually have a program where you can bring your dog to work.
2: You know, I'm, I'm a shy, introverted person by nature, but when I'm walking that dog, everybody is interested in me. They smile, they say hi, yeah. they stop and talk. I mean, I got a, a booking invitation in in uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, when I was walking the dog in Hawaii, and <laughs> we just started talking, and we talked for like an hour, and... and uh, you know, if I was a single guy and I wanted to get girls, uh, the first thing you should do is get a dog because Absolutely. the girls just go so crazy.
0: Oh, the dog. It you know, works
2: in New York. In. Pardon?
0: It works in New York. <laughs> it's, it's a big part of the social scene. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, why should I be surprised? you have any questions? You know, Adrian is a dog person. Uh, she has uh, her dog. Uh, I'm trying to remember his name Her okay. Her name
0: Shotzi Shotzi,
2: yes Wasn't that the name of someone on Happy Days? Um,
1: Might have been Shots? Laverne and Shirley <laughs> <laughs> That was Shot's
0: Brewery There we go Shorts. There we go Let me get the
1: dog, wait <laughs> Yeah, why
2: don't you All right. Do you have a dog too, uh, Carol?
1: My dog, she just passed away recently. Unfortunately, oh. if you um, How about are, the cat, um, I have two cats.
2: And they all get along, right?
1: They did all get along. Yeah, absolutely. See, so, you now
2: you can call a dog to come in front of the camera, but you can never call a cat. To come <laughs> don't front to cats get- don't oh, come when true. you call them. Hard
1: to get. That's not true. Oh, really? I have cats uh, that when whenever I am on uh, video, I've got cats that usually are cruising uh, through the through the screen. <laughs>
2: Really? So you just and haven't
1: it, met the right cat, Dave.
2: Apparently not. <laughs> apparently not. Well, next time I'm in Philly, you're from Philly, right?
1: Originally, yeah. I live oh, in California are now. now. I'm in California now.
2: Oh, so where? where?
1: Uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area. Where? Los Altos is where I live, and I will work in Milpitas.
2: Milpitas? That's in Southern California, right?
1: Uh, no, it's in Northern California.
2: Oh. Do you ever go up and down Interstate 5 into Southern California? Uh,
1: I don't get to Southern California too often, but every once in a while. We do have animals uh, that uh, we rescue from Southern California, though, so they uh, make their way up to us. Well,
2: I'm, I'm oh, they're, they're kissing on the lips. <laughs> uh, yeah, see, I,
1: so she's with me. That's what she wants. You uh, do I wish well. <laughs> you
2: could see this, Carol. It's a touching <laughs> sight.
1: <laughs> Lots of love being exchanged, huh? Oh.
2: They're just kissing and kissing and kissing
1: Yes, we love
0: each other I wanted a dog While my well, husband Even before my husband was ill
2: Yeah, what has a dog done for you And when did you get it And uh, why did you get it And uh, well, I has it exceeded your expectations
0: <laughs> Has she exceeded my expectations? Well, she's like a cat She refuses To go outside She uh, she pees on the pads And the paper She she doesn't have a box But you know She's got her place Mm -hmm. And um, I waited six weeks Only because I'd waited 35 years already Mm -hmm. (laughs) I waited six weeks to make sure It was what I wanted then After my husband passed And uh, it was, Uh, and it was the right, right choice. The thing is, she didn't, she didn't do what I had hoped she would do, which was get me up at seven a.m. so I could take her out for a walk and um, do all that stuff. Hmm. So,
2: okay. So, what are doggy day out programs, Carol?
1: So Doggy Day Out is uh, a program that shelters are implementing all across the country that makes it possible for people who might not have a dog in their life or maybe they are just uh, want to take another dog out from uh, a local shelter for the day. So it's a low-barrier participation way. Uh, for folks to engage with local shelters and the dogs in their community that need to find homes. So again, if you go to mutualrescue.org, there is a tab there on Doggy Day Out, and it lists the shelters that have programs, um, uh, that have Doggy Day Out programs in your area. So you can go check out your state and see uh, if there's a program near you. And if you happen to work in a shelter and would like to start a program, we have a toolkit that you can download that makes it easy to get a program um, started at your shelter. So we're, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it's uh, it's great for the animals. It's great for the people. You exercise and social bonding time. And what's great is the people that take the animal out then end up advocating and, and helping find that animal a home even if they can't yeah. adopt them themselves. So,
2: And a lot of pet shops are doing this too. I mean, uh, Petco, I came in there and they had this whole... Things set up with animals, Uh, you know, they might do it on a Saturday or something, and uh, they might adopt uh, two or three of them, you know, when they come out. And so uh, kudos to Petco and all the other places that allow you to do it right on their business premises, even though they're kind of in competition because they're selling, you know, puppies and cats, too.
1: Well, a lot of them are not doing that now. They're not selling um, they're working specifically with rescues in order to do that. So, um, uh, uh, p- both Petco and PetSmart are uh, have I believe have both stopped selling um you mean purebred animals. dogs
2: that, that Yeah, and all want that and so they're forget.
1: they're working with rescue groups oh, that's a great idea. Um, in order to do that. So, yeah, so in that case those are those actually aren't doggy day outs. Those are um, you know, pop-up adoption events. To try and uh, help those animals find permanent homes, but if folks are interested in just having an interaction for um, for an afternoon, they can find a a local doggy day out program in their area. If they go to mutualrescue.org and and look on the doggy day out tab, they can see the directory. Do
2: you do you find that some people look down on people who want a purebred dog and go out and spend five, six, seven hundred dollars, thousand dollars, two thousand dollars for this for this Dog that was bred When You know I can't help thinking You spent what? You know My daughter spent like $600 on two Some kind of fluffy cats That are supposed to be Really rare And I says Do you know how many cats Are at the shelter That are just Dying for someone To rescue them? Is that common Where uh, Or am I just weird That that's where The mind goes You spend so much money On a pet When there's so many Free pets Basically free and you'd be saving their lives. Um, is that just me making people feel guilty?
1: <laughs> well, I, you know, I certainly have a bias in the context of wanting to encourage people to adopt when there are so many animals in shelters. Um, but you know, one of the things is that being in animal welfare, passing judgment on people doesn't does not help them uh, come over to your point of view. Right. So. You know, I always think the best thing is to, um, I think people sometimes are concerned that um, they, you know, they won't be able to kind of find the animal that they want if they come to a shelter, and that's why they might go to a breeder. But there are breed-specific rescues. There are uh, all kinds of different animals that come into different shelters. And um, so I would just really, you know, encourage people um, you know, a lot of folks. There's, you know, there was a study done by Maddie's Fund several years ago, and it basically looked at people that were going to adopt. And maybe 20% of people were like, "Look, I'm a diehard. I'm going to get a purebred or whatever." Right. Um, 60%, however, were on the fence, and then 20% were like, "No, I'll only get a rescue." And so I don't think it's about, you know, trying to convert those 20% who are diehard. I think it's talking about the 60% of people that could go either way is, yeah. hey, you know what, come check out a shelter first because there's so many animals in need and, you know, you'll feel terrific um, and you'll, you know, there, there's a match there for you somewhere Right. And um, so I would always encourage people to at least consider that or or, or make yeah, the effort and, to see if they can find a good match.
2: And let me just clarify, in fairness to those people who do like the breeds, you know, I'm not judging you. Uh, there's other people in my family who uh, they're looking for a specific breed, like a cock-a- cockadoodle, I think it's called, because um, they heard that they're really, really good about- around children. They make great uh, service animals and stuff like that. And so it's true, you know, when when a dog has just a natural temperament and a, and a long history of being good around children and, uh, and can be trained to be a service dog, yeah, I don't blame them. No guilt.
1: No. Well, and as I said, if you do decide to, to get a purebred, you can always make a donation to a local shelter or mm-hmm. even consider adding adding a shelter dog uh, into your household. So, yeah. you know, I always like to encourage people that it doesn't have to be such a hard line. And, and yeah. um, you know, and if it, you can find a way to support the cause, that certainly is appreciated. Right.
2: And in fairness to my daughter, who spent all that money on the cats, before those cats, she did have rescue cats. And this cat had, like, cancer, and its teeth was falling out. It was blind <laughs> in one eye. And and I got a, I got a really... Uh, admire her for hanging in there with that cat (laughs) and anyone else you know would have just thrown it away uh she's very very compassionate toward animals I guess she figured she paid her dues and now she wants the cat that maybe she always did so like I said no guilt so what's next for uh mutual rescue what are you planning for the future
1: Yeah, well, we're going to continue to uh, help shelters across the country get these Doggy Day Out programs implemented. We're really excited about, you know, one of our messages is that we want to really encourage people to get involved at the local level, get engaged at the local level, and having the opportunity to interact with animals at their local shelters is super important. So we're going to be continuing that effort. Um, We've got a couple more films that are going to be coming out Uh, This fall, so people should definitely, um, if they go to our website, mutualrescue.org, sign up so they can get -hmm. the latest info. Um, I want to, again, encourage people if uh, if they want to learn more about the science uh, to pick up a copy of Mutual Rescue, How Adopting a Homeless Animal Can Save You Too. It's available Mm -hmm. wherever books are sold. And so we're going to be continuing to create great content and drive engagement Uh, create national awareness to drive engagement at the local level and we're hoping to get some corporate sponsors on board that will make it possible for people that care about this initiative and this cause that when you buy those products or services that money will help fund uh, rescue work going on at the local level and help fund more programs that bring animals and people together.
2: Well I just have to admire you you know you, you just you did it you had a a passion, a desire, a longing to do something, and you actually did it. Was it hard to to start an organization like this and and to you know get it out? Was it was it hard in the beginning to get it off the ground?
1: Well, I think the thing to understand about mutual rescue is actually a national initiative of Humane Society Silicon Valley, which is a local shelter here in Northern California that's mm. been around for quite a while. Um oh. so I stepped in as president of Humane Society Silicon Valley back in uh, 2010.
2: It's a local chapter.
1: um, Well, um, humane societies are not, um, they're all separate entities. So the the phrase humane society is actually a generic term for animal shelter. So we're independent, separate entities that all have to kind of deal with their own funding challenges and all have different business models um, and as part of our actually fundraising work, one of the things that we wanted to do was to educate people about the fact that um, local humane societies are not part of the Humane Society of the United States, and that, um, you know, there's this whole human component. So Mutual Rescue, you know, started out here, and then we realized it actually had a national uh, reach and a national uh, you know, impact, and so we basically created a national initiative out of that. So, um, basically, kind of founded the initiative, um, you know, through the construct of the shelter work that we're doing here uh, originally in Northern California.
2: So, you have membership.
1: Um, membership isn't, you know, in terms of of Humane Society Silicon Valley, we have donors and supporters. Uh, that make our work possible and for Mutual Rescue we have folks that are um, following us on social media and watching our films and participating in the programs and then we found specific donors to help make the Mutual Rescue initiative uh, get out there at the national level
2: yeah you have really have a nice niche with these films um, did it really make a difference in your donations once you got on to these uh, making these
1: films Uh, So it certainly uh, did help within our own constituency base. And um, what we have done is made the films available to other shelters all across the country so that they can use the films for themselves, because we don't talk about any one shelter um, in the film. Uh, we do note at the end where the animal was adopted from, and the films showcase animals that have been adopted from shelters all across the country, because essentially these, these stories could have happened um, coming out of any shelter um, that's doing rescue work. And so we really are trying to, to elevate the cause of animal welfare so that people you know, view it on par and, and don't feel guilty for supporting an animal cause. And one of the things that is interesting is that of the 410 billion dollars that Americans give to charity every year, only 3% goes to animal and environment related causes combined. And so mm. we want people to know that when they support their local animal shelter, they're also supporting people and transforming human lives as well as animals.
0: Great point. Oh, I think I mean, I think what you're doing is great and the fact I imagine that the animals are American domestic animals, or Canadian, or whatever that you're working with in this structure. Uh, American. uh, I find American charities in general are not funded anywhere near as much as third world country things. I think that local charities that do good for our own communities are the ones that are just neglected too much and. Uh, I salute you
1: on on that on being there for us. Well, I think it's it is very important to understand. I mean, you know, the national organizations are are doing you know great work in terms of advocacy and legislation and all of that. But if you want to be saving animals in your own community, you know who's doing that work in your community. And you know, one of right. the things that that I believe in is that when you connect an animal with a person, you transform two lives, and when you connect hundreds of animals with hundreds of people, you're actually, um, you know, transforming an entire community, and when you start connecting hundreds of thousands of animals with hundreds mm-hmm. of thousands of people, you're transforming cities and towns and, you know, really all across the country, yeah. so it's uh, it's important work that uh, really emphasizes how we're all interconnected with one another.
2: That's amazing. So if somebody wants to, you know, um, get involved or give money or maybe uh, has a great story for video, how would they contact you?
1: Yeah. So going to mutualrescue.org, you can uh, sign up to get our emails and and newsletters and get the latest information. Um, Able to watch uh, the films that we've released so far. The Doggy Day Out directory is there, so they can find a local shelter in their own community to do a Doggy Day Out. There's also a search engine that will help them find um, shelters in the area where they can go to volunteer, adopt, or donate, all of which mm-hmm. would be greatly appreciated by those shelters. And then, of course, if you want to learn not only uh, more stories in some of the science, um, you can purchase Mutual Rescue, How Adopting a Homeless Animal Can Save You Too, and That's available wherever books are sold. Out of curiosity, is anybody
0: doing adoption online, or is this all face-to-face, do you think?
1: Well, you certainly can do part of the process. Um, A lot of folks will, um, so for example, you can find, if you go to mutualrescue.org, we're connected up with PetFinder. And so you can search online Mm. to see if you can identify animals that would be of interest to you. Okay. Um, but ultimately, you're going to want to meet the animal and, and yeah. make sure that it's a good fit for you. But you absolutely, there's a lot you can do online in the context of searching for animals and finding an animal that might be a fit for you.
0: Yeah, no, the, I, I was asking that because caregivers can't easily get out of the house to do that. Sure. Yeah. So uh, that was curious. Fingers
2: do the walking. <laughs> yes,
0: yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, uh, how long has this organization been around now?
1: So we started Mutual Rescue really with the launch of our Eric and Petey film, and that was February 14th of 2016. So we've been around for about three and a half years.
2: Wow, so a couple of videos a year.
1: Yes, and we've got a few more coming out in the fall. Mm.
2: (laughs) I can't wait.
1: Well, I hope you enjoy them.
2: I am so glad that we had you on the show and that we could raise awareness of of pets and your organization, and realize that there is scientific proof that <laughs> having a pet can improve your health, lower your blood pressure, and doing all sorts of things. Uh, depression too, I would imagine.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, anxiety. You talk about do. that. Yep. It can time. cure.
2: I'm. I'm. I know someone, as I mentioned. Uh, it can even possibly cure an eating disorder. Right. There's no limit to what a pet can can do. And you look into those big, beautiful eyes (laughs) because humans need to be loved, don't they? And if and if other humans don't love them, then they'll receive love from an animal because we're all really animals, the animal species. Right. And love is love. And when that dog is more excited to see you when you come home than the kids are. That just yeah, feels wow! Good. <laughs> I'm putting that dog in my will, you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: hey, you learn a lesson. They,
1: yeah, well, they, you know, that there there are lessons for us to be learned as humans, which is how do we how do we appreciate one another the way our yes.
2: I know my yeah. wife cannot speak because her, her speech has been taken away from her, and I have learned so much by watching this dog communicate with my wife because here's two. Oh, interesting. Two people who cannot speak to each other, right? And as you know, animals are so nonverbal. I mean, they watch you. They they know if you're going into the medicine cabinet and pulling out that that bottle of hydrogen peroxide, that they're going to hide because they know they have an infected tooth. And every yeah. night I take <laughs> I take a cotton ball with with peroxide and I shove it in their mouth or on the tooth, and they don't like. It. They know when it's bath time. They can tell. 30 minutes in advance when they're be getting a band. It's <laughs> yep. that intuition thing where they know, oh, she's going to have a uh, a stroke. There's going to be an earthquake. Uh, she's going to have a seizure. They are just so intuitive. And uh, we don't realize how predictable our body language is. You know, we think communication is all about words. Well, my wife is proving that it's not. 80% of communication is nonverbal. Yeah. And to watch that dog know uh when 11 o'clock comes around and he tries to communicate to me maybe he he doesn't pay attention to me all day long but all of a sudden at 11 o'clock i'm his best friend
0: yeah (laughs) he only
2: wants me to take him for a walk and uh and or eating time but uh most dogs are very very loving uh, including mine but they have a personality they're very human-like you know if they don't feel like being, uh, you know, affectionate to you right at this moment, they're just going to ignore you. But then, when they <laughs> decide they're feeling a little lonely, man, they're all over you. And aren't we the same way? Thank you, God, for giving us animals.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
2: Well, I appreciate everybody coming on the show, and I appreciate you too as well. Thank you, Adrian, for showing uh, up week after week, and. Next week, we're going to do it again with another great guest. So until next time, bye-bye.
1: Thank you for listening to the Caregiver's Caregiver Radio Program with Dave Nassani.